Welcome as we worship for Easter. Um, Tom had just shared with us the God sightings about Lacey um, Duckworth, who will be um, attending Lenore Rhine next year with a scholarship. Well done, Lacey. And we will be uh, breaking ground next week. We very much hope and think next week for the three homes that will be the first round of Open Hearts Place. And so... We're grateful for um, God at work in that project and um, looking forward to seeing the ways that God moves in the life of people that we have not met yet, but God holds in God's hands. Um, this morning, we would like to pray for Vicki Lutz. She ha is being treated for pneumonia. Thomas, she's at home, right? She's at home and receiving treatment, but she's um, fighting pneumonia and feeling pretty crummy, so... Um, let's keep her in our prayers. Also, Eleanor Myers um, was in the hospital and then back out of the hospital. And then unfortunately, yesterday, she had to go back um, to the hospital for treatment of um, some internal bleeding and other problems. So the medical team is still trying to figure out exactly what's going on with her and how best to help her. Um, for those that might not have spent a lot of time with Eleanor, she's one of the employees of the bakery and has worshiped with our congregation as well. And so um, we'll pray for her and we'll keep um, Tom and Trish and Patty and Teresa, um, among others who are close friends of hers and are supporting her in this um, trial. So we'll just just gather them all in, surround them with prayer. And um, I know that that. We are a group of people who shows God's love in so many ways, and we lift our, our people up in prayer, and um, Eleanor especially needs that right now. Um, I did not get any other written papers, but if anybody has something you want to say, you can... I have a God sighting. I went to visit Roy and Anna yesterday. Mm -hmm. Roy looks fabulous. Oh, good. 
Mm -hmm. Oh, good. So if, for those who might not have heard without the mic, Roy Ledford, who's been struggling with um, health and his back problems have made it hard for him to get around. Patty was over to see them yesterday and Roy is doing a lot better. So um, still a long road, still prayers for his mobility and his um, continued healing, but such a big praise and thanksgiving that he's doing as well as he is right now. So to repeat with the mic, Clint's grandmother, Beverly, is near the end of her life um, and had had a, a scare a couple of weeks ago, uh, but she's doing really well right now and she's living with Clint's mom and they're really bringing joy to each other as they um, live together. So we're super grateful for that and grateful for each day of that um, joy and love they get to share together and know that... Um, that she's near the end of her life and also really grateful for that this is such a good season. Um, so we're grateful for that and grateful for y'all who've been praying with us for her. Yeah, Trish. I could not have timed it that way had I tried. Um, you know, the, the sunrise and the how long do songs last and everything, but just at the very end of the benediction, the sun appeared. It was, um, it, it was lovely. So um, thank you to everybody who helped to make that happen. It was good to be. Um, thanks, Tom, for helping lead music. And it's good to. Yeah. So if you have put a lily in memory or honor of someone, you are welcome to take that lily with you today. If you would like to let it live in the church for a little while longer as they continue to bloom through the Easter season, that is also that would also be lovely. And so um, you can decide if you contributed a lily. Um, and for those who are are curious inside of the bulletin there is an insert that lists all those names of people um whose memory and honor is recognized with the lilies so um thanks to patty for doing all the legwork to make the lilies magically appear in the sanctuary and for everybody who's contributed those and of course um just a moment to pause and remember and honor and give thanks to god for all the people and all the lives re represented that that we have uh honored. <laughs> Ophelia has experienced the goodness and presence of God this week. And Jesus knows all the details. And we're glad that Ophelia has had that experience. <laughs> Praise God. 
Will you pray with me? God, we are so grateful for the joy of this Easter morning. We're grateful for the big cosmic joy of Jesus risen again, triumphant and ready to lead us into new life. And we're thankful for the small tangible joys of looking into each other's eyes and sharing this beautiful day and being physically together after so long apart. God, our hearts are full of thanks and we offer them to you. We pray on this Easter day that your church throughout the world would be renewed by your resurrection and strengthened with the hope that only you can give. May we turn away from all that would hold us back and all that would hold us down. And may we share your love thoroughly and completely and with courage. We pray for the leaders and rulers of this world that everyone making decisions that affect lots of people would make those decisions wisely and with courage. We're grateful, O oh God, for this, our local community and for the people who serve us within it. Thank you for the teachers and school administrators and other school staff who keep showing up day after day after day to teach and to lead our kids through such a weird and tough season. Fill and uphold them with your love, O oh God. Give them everything that they need to continue to serve and to know your presence. God, we pray for the particular people on our hearts this morning. We pray for Beverly, for Vicki as she faces pneumonia, and for Eleanor as she's receiving treatment in the hospital. God, bring your healing and loving power to surround and comfort them. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from Mark chapter 16, beginning with verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, 
for they were afraid. These are the words of God for God's people, and we say, thanks be to God. Mark's gospel is a bit of a puzzle all the way through. It moves quickly. There are a lot of transitions, and Jesus in the book of Mark is a bit of a mystery. He spends half of the gospel telling them not to tell anyone that he's the Messiah, and the second half of the gospel teaching them that the Messiah is nothing like what they expected until at the very end he is revealed not by the faithful disciples but by the centurion, by the Roman soldier. Truly, this man was the son of God. And so then we get to Mark's story of the resurrection. And... Not so different from the way that he treats other stories in the life of Jesus, Mark keeps it short. (laughs) He makes it quick and he gets to the point. But what's even more interesting, Mark declares that the tomb is empty. Mark declares that Jesus is risen and going ahead of them. But in the earliest and best manuscripts that we have, The gospel ends with, So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were terrified. All right then. (laughs) It's not exactly the triumphant Christ the Lord is risen today version of Easter. There's a pretty uh, rollicking scholarly debate about whether Mark actually in, Mark actually wrote more, but it's not there, or whether Mark actually intended to end his story right where we see the end. Over hundreds and even thousands of years, those who have copied and transcribed and passed the Bible down through the generations have wondered that as well. That's why if you look in your Bible, you're likely to see a little section that doesn't have any verse numbers that says shorter ending of Mark. And then after the little bit that says shorter ending of Mark, it will resume the verse numbers and go from verse 9 through, I believe it's verse 20. That bit, the verse 9 through verse 20 bit, was almost, was, was added later, and some of the people who were actually doing the copying put a note beside it that said, this was added later. Of course, all in Greek and a long time ago. Now, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know <laughs> which scholars have the best theory. Was it? I think I believe them that the we do not have an original ending from after verse 8. Now, was there an ending that we've lost, or was that the end of the story? I don't know. If you would like to wade into that debate, there are hundreds of books and thousands of pages of people weighing the evidence on that. 
but it's interesting. It's interesting to take the story as we have it. They said nothing to anyone, for they were terrified. But even if that were the end of the story, even if Mark didn't write any more than that, he wrote for a community of people who had in fact heard about Jesus, who somewhere along the way, somebody got over being terrified and spread the news. So even if, so as they were hearing this story, and even if it ended with the part where they said nothing, well, somebody said something because the story continued, right? The hope is there. The community is gathered. It did not end with everybody going away, with everybody keeping quiet. And I've been thinking about that this week, thinking about that connection between, on the one hand, I think, I, I think Mark's telling is reasonable. I think it's really, really possible that right after Jesus died and had been raised from the dead and nobody really knew what was going on, there was a period where they were kind of freaked out and couldn't figure out what to do next. Seems really plausible to me, right? <laughs> and also, they didn't stay there. They weren't stuck there. The Spirit of God led them forward. The church was born. The Spirit worked in the world. God's people spread the message. There is hope. And there is the presence of Jesus living in this world. There were two stories that I experienced this week. The first one took place starting on the internet. Now, sometimes, many times, when people interact with one another on the internet, we do not bring our best selves to the table. Anyone who has ever read the comment section of any article or anybody whose Facebook feed has gotten a little too deep into the memes knows that when we interact with each other on the internet, we do not always bring our best selves, which is why it's so interesting to me when that's what shows up, when grace and kindness and truth show up. There's a woman named Sharon McMahon. She's a former high school government teacher, and now she spends a lot of her time teaching people about American government on Instagram. Over the course of this past election, she realized that there were a number of people who just didn't understand the basics of how things worked. And all the other misinformation and all the you know, fighting and all that, if not all of it, a lot of it could be traced back to the fact that people just didn't actually understand the facts. So she decided that she was on a one-woman crusade for facts. Just straight up, you can ask her a question and she will help you find the factual answer to that question. She has never revealed what her own political leanings are or what she um, 
thinks the solution to problems would be, but she is very clear and very consistent that it is important that people know the truth. So we will start from facts. She also points out that often we get bogged down in thinking about all the things we can't control, all the things that are wrong with the world, all the things we wish were different but aren't. It's easy to get bogged down. And so she has this periodic reminder where she says, you know what? Just do something. Do something. It doesn't have to be something that's going to fix everything. It doesn't have to be something that's going to change everyone. But if you feel bogged down in all that is negative, do something positive. So with that background, this week, there was a pastor that she knows who had had a truly terrible week, came into the week already deep in student loan debt, had a child who got severely ill and had to go to the hospital and receive expensive medical treatment without insurance. Then their home was flooded in the Nashville floods that happened recently, and they had expensive repairs to be able to live in their home. And just when they were reeling from all of those things and trying to take a breather, his wife fell and broke her arm, leading to more medical bills. It was a truly terrible week. And this is a person who is used to serving, used to asking for help for others, used to being strong, and the one that others rely on. So she found out about this. And she just said to her internet followers, maybe we can help. They figured, they um, found his Venmo payment information and through donations of $5 and less, thousands of people, $5 and less, they paid off the student loan and the medical debt and the house flood, and the other medical debt, so that this family can step into this Easter season no longer burdened and held down by all those things out of their control that have knocked them down, but rather can can move forward unfettered. He can minister without that weight on him. And so just when folks were excited about, hey, look what we did, There was a woman whose mom died from COVID, way too young. Her dad was blind and depended on her mom for all the love and care that we all depend on our spouses for, but also for the practical help navigating the world with his blindness. Maybe we can help. Small gifts, $5 and less. The funeral was paid for. A graveside bench was installed as a place for him to come and remember his beloved wife and a guide dog. The fees for um, receiving and training with a guide dog were covered so that he can move forward, not stuck, but with hope. Nobody did more than open an app on their phone and share $5 or less. And yet, two families 
received life-changing gifts of hope. Closer to home, Tom, you stole my thunder a little bit, but that's okay. I'm glad we got to share the story. Closer to home, we got word this week that we passed our environmental review. We are ready to break ground for Open Hearts Place. Every step of the way, God's guidance and God's power and God's provision have made this project happen. I will not discount the hard and consistent work of a core group of people who have worked on it, but I can also tell you because I've been in the room, if God had not moved to make the opportunities possible, the hard work that the people have been doing would not have brought this result. In small ways, in big ways, we find ourselves saying, we would love it if we could provide housing for some neighbors, but we don't know where to start. And somebody shows up to teach us the first step. So we work hard and we take that first step and then we don't know how to do the next thing. And somebody shows up to help us with the next thing. And then we realize this is going to take a lot of cash. Like a lot. A lot of cash. I have no idea where that cash is going to come from. And I've promised the congregation that this is not going to have to come out of their pockets I I don't know what we're going to do. And then we get a call saying, you've received this grant, and you've received this other grant. And a woman who called on the phone to say, you know, I have some extra money sitting around, and I thought you might like to use it. Well, yes, yes, we would like to use it. And then not just the cash gifts, but somebody who read about the project in the paper and called me on the phone and said, I'm a quilter, and I would be honored to make a welcome home quilt for each family that moves into one of those homes. And she's on standby. As soon as we get our um, families interviewed, she'll be uh, choosing colors and preparing those quilts. It's just, that's just a tip of the iceberg of the stories about how what started with a, I wonder, I wonder if we could help our neighbors in this way. I wonder if we might be invited to serve in a different way than we have before. And y'all, not every I wonder turns into a finished product. But being open to those I wonders, being ready to follow that, that instinct and give God the chance to lead us to what happens next. That is a step of faith. Mark's gospel ends by telling us that they were afraid and they went away and didn't tell anyone. But the Spirit of God does not leave people afraid. It does not leave us walking away and telling no one. The Spirit of God, in big ways and in small ways, has a habit of catching hold of us. And pulling us to where we didn't think we were going to go. And overcoming the fears, maybe even the fears we didn't know that we had. To bring us into a new 
and joyful and holy place. It is easy. It is easy to live in fear. It is easy to look at the world around us or to look at the church as it has been in our past, as it is different now, and to feel discouraged or afraid or uncertain. And it is not God's way to tell us everything that's going to happen. God did not clarify for Mary and Mary the mother of James and Salome that this is where it's heading and this is what's going on and I'm going to tell you every step of the way. But just because we don't always know what's going to happen when we're open to God's spirit does not mean that God's spirit is not at work. It doesn't mean that the story is over. During a particularly difficult period in my ministry at a different church, I was talking to a trusted colleague and he said, Elaine, do you remember the words from the baptismal service of the United Methodist Church? And of course, being an overeducated person, I sheepishly said, uh, which words are you talking about? In the one of the historical baptismal covenants starts with the pastor saying to the congregation, the church is of God and will be preserved to the end of time for God's purposes. It lists out God's purposes, but the church is of God. It will be preserved to the end of, the time, of time for God's purposes. God will do what God will do. God will heal, God will save, God will bring new possibilities. And sometimes we're scared. Sometimes we don't know how to react. Sometimes we are like Mary and Mary and Salome and we disappear without saying anything. But y'all, we do not have the power. (laughs) It is not within us to thwart what God is up to. God will do God's good work. And when we participate, when we show up and say, I wonder what would happen if, when we trust God's good word, that God's church will persist and God will do what God needs to do. Hope is born into the world. It's not just whistling in the dark. It's based on the triumph of God himself. That Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again to make all things new. And once God has done that, there's nothing we can do to mess it up. So we might as well get on board and see what God chooses to do through us. Thanks be to God. May the loving power of God, which raised Jesus to new life, strengthen you in hope, enrich you in his love, and fill you with joy in the faith. Go in the name of God, who is Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen.